talk sports, but we came here to win. The most legit podcast, that's why we know you're tuning in. We cover the biggest news, we underdogs, but we can't lose. So trust the process, yes you, because we got Chris and Andrew to bless you. With the best features, best stories, we diving deep like a Lambo leak. Wake up, kid, and stop snoring, we on point just like this beat. Bring the passion like the dog pound. In the cold, get a gold brown. Sit back and raise the cat, because we start this show like right now. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of The Underdog. Chris Wardell joined by Anshu Kana. Anshu! Chris! How's it going? Good. One week in the books, man. I get It's flying by already. Oh, have you, uh, this is a preseason week from how this, yeah. how this went right. for, uh, for the teams that I care about. But I'm glad your Packers got the W. Are you? I'm, I'm, <laughs> happy, I'm happy for you. Thanks, man. Yeah, no, it was a good, it was a very good week. No, no two ways about it. As bad as the draft was, that's how good week one was. So somewhere in the middle, we have a balancing act there. Yeah, it was absolute, an absolute disaster for Philadelphia and getting there uh, for for Green Bay in terms of some of the injuries you guys suffered. But we'll, we'll talk about week one injuries a little bit later. First thing I want to hit on, I guess probably the biggest story of week one in the National Football League was Tom Brady making his debut for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Bucks end up dropping a game. Don't look particularly sharp against the Saints. Do you uh, you make anything out of this? Uh, a little. I mean, it was our first sample of seeing him out there, seeing Gronk out there, seeing Arians with Brady, and it's our first ever time seeing Tom Brady quarterbacking a team that's not mm-hmm. led by McDaniel's or Belichick. So I don't know how you don't try to take something away, but we have to obviously be cautious. It's one week. Um, I thought it was really interesting how candid Bruce Arians was after the game about Tom Brady. I mean, zero coddling there. Right. Um, not that Brady is, you know, not accustomed to that, obviously, <laughs> but to be publicly kind of humiliated, I would say, in some ways where he said, you know, maybe not humiliated, but like, hey, we hold this guy to this standard and he didn't meet it, I think is speaks volumes. But, you know, it's a tough test right away against what looked like, I think the biggest takeaway of that game was how good the Saints defense looked. Mm-hmm. Um especially without a real crowd. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I look, I think that the takeaway there is just they're not on the same level as the team favorites win that division right now. And I think that's a fair takeaway. I'm not sure they'll get there this year, but I, you know, I, I think it's fascinating. It's going to be fascinating to see how quickly they're able to gel. And, you know, Mike, Mike Evans obviously banged up. He's always had troubles with Marshawn Lattimore anyway, mm. but you know, not having that piece at full strength, which, you know, he's not always there, but I just think think that that you know if he does get the full health, that's a different kind of offense for sure. Yeah, two catches for Gronk for what eleven yards. Uh, one catch for Mike Evans for two yards. Five carries for Fournette for five yards. Shady didn't Oof. get a carry. Had one catch. This uh, this offense did not look like I expected it to. Brady throws two picks, and I guess most impressively, Brady joins some absolute elite company, uh, became the first quarterback to have three straight games with a pick since, uh, pick six, excuse me, since Matt Schaub and Blaine Gabbert, his current teammate, did it in 2013. <laughs> That's some, some company I'm sure he doesn't want to share. Uh, but yeah, I mean, what, what did you take? Do you, are you of the mind that like, you know, obviously I know you're, you're going to say you don't want to overreact to one week, but does it, just full, like, do you think they'll ever get to that level, like the New Orleans level over the course of this year? Do you think at any point the Bucks are a true contender to, to make the Super Bowl just by having Brady and those weapons? Oh, God, that's that's such a big question right now, isn't it? Because 
I think the other thing that we should remember when we're talking doom and gloom about Tampa Bay is Tom Brady over the last, I'd say, two, three years has been a pretty slow starter. It seems like the beginning Mm -hmm. of every year we're talking about, oh, is Tom Brady done? And by the end of the season, we're talking about how much longer is Tom Brady going to play. So I think he's going to right the ship. He's playing in a new offense, didn't have the benefit of any preseason at all. Granted, he's been in the league for 20 years, so he should be able to adapt to that to some degree. The two picks scare me a little bit. Um, one of them certainly worse than the other, but the lack of mm-hmm. a, the lack of a run game is also an issue. They only have that, yeah. 3.3 a carry. Ronald Jones, 17 for 66. And by the way, things not all that much better. In fact, actually quite a bit worse for New Orleans. After they gave Alvin Kamara $17 million a year, he gave them 12 carries for 16 yards. <laughs> yeah, that's not what you're looking for. Um, yeah, I mean, I... That's another thing I was going to take away is like, okay, so, you know, I think that the Saints defense played really well. The, the offense was, I don't want to say a disaster, but it certainly wasn't up to the par that we have, we have that level that we've held them to. No and so, you know, like, you know, we made a lot of this game and it was probably the marquee game of the week coming in. But like, you walk away from that. I don't know how you look at it like, oh, those are two like elite teams in the NFL. I, I mean, I definitely didn't see it that way, having watched what I watched of it. No, the the New Orleans offense looked pedestrian somehow in scoring their 34 points, which is a little bit strange that they they scored that much and yet just didn't do very well. Unless, I believe sub 300 right. yards of total offense. Uh, can't guard Mike got uh, with three catches for 17 yards. Certainly not on the same trajectory he was last year. Uh, like I said, Kamara, 12 carries, 16 yards, did have five for 51 in the past game and a touchdown. Taysom Hill continues to do Taysom Hilly things, uh, 38 yards passing on a one-for-one, three carries for 13 yards and uh, a catch for 14. So contributing, but I don't know that he's contributing $10 million worth of uh, offensive <laughs> production to that team. Yeah, it's week, you know, it's week one, there's no preseason, but these are two teams that I really did expect to look better than they did. Yeah, I mean, look, Breeze. Breeze only throws the ball. He does throw it thirty times, but his pass rate was around a hundred. Like mm-hmm. it felt more like New Orleans was just trying stuff, kind of like spreading it around, and you know, bridging the gap between not having a preseason and having one, and treating this as almost like one in a, in what was admittedly like a pretty big game in the division. So, um, you know, I, I mean, I'm sure Sean Payton and Drew Brees are walking away from that feeling pretty good, but obviously left. I mean maybe have left some points on the board and it was just like an odd game because of the pick six. Those games are always weird anyway, because mm-hmm. of the, you know, everything that happened. So I, I mean, I'll be fascinated to see how these two teams look against each other later in the season, because, um, you know, it's going to get late early for, for both and especially for camp, I think. Yeah. I would think later on, we're going to see these two quarterbacks, these two hall of fame quarterbacks combined for more than 400 yards passing. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to agree with that. But, you know, lot, there's just we held this game to a high standard and it hit, you know, it hit the over even then. But like you hold them to a high standard because of the talent around those two Hall of Fame quarterbacks and really none of them really produced. I mean, you get a good overall fantasy day out of Kamara because of the two touchdowns mm-hmm. and a lot of receiving yards. But you like you brought up Thomas Evans, obviously barely plays, and you know, the rest of the. The rest of the players just didn't really bring much to the table. I mean, Godwin was okay, and yeah, I, I think I better days are for sure ahead for, for everyone involved here. 
With that said, the one person that I'm not bullish about for the remainder of the season, I am not sure Gronk isn't pretty much cooked. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Um, I don't disagree with that. I mean, O.J. Howard actually got a lot more work than Gronk in a game, both on the field and in terms of the stat line. And, um, you know, I mean, that should surprise no one, right? Like that, that, oh, of course, now you get Tom Brady. Now you're able to get the most out of this you know, elite tight end prospects out of Alabama. So I think that that's, that's something to watch because if OJ Howard is able to realize any of that potential, and remember he came in the league as like the youngest prospect in that class. Mm-hmm. If he's able to realize any of that with Brady and with these guys around him, I mean that, I think that that's just another piece that people really aren't thinking about it all myself included when you, when you line up all those, those, you know, tools that he has to work with. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about news that came out today. There seems to be some trouble brewing between Allen Robinson and the Chicago Bears. Can't upset you to hear something like that as a uh, fan (laughs) of a team in the division. Robinson has removed all references to the Chicago Bears from all of his social media. Is apparently very angry about his uh, contract situation in the last year of his deal right now. What do you think happens here? I mean, he's clearly putting pressure on the Bears for an extension. I'm surprised that the Bears haven't been able to make this work. It seemed like there was a lot of positive momentum to getting this done. Like mm-hmm. Robinson outwardly brought it up. He's been, you know, as good of a person in the community and like very active in the community as like you would expect for a player who's going to stay somewhere long term. You know, he picked the Bears a couple years ago, um, took kind of a chance on going there even without a real quarterback, and now. You know, at 27 years old, still obviously he came in the league again. Another one of these guys who was so young coming out, mm-hmm. um, and you know, I like went through the injury, came back with the Bears, has been pretty really good actually at times considering the quarterback situation. I'm surprised the Bears, who do a good job of keeping their own locked up, haven't made sure to get this done. But I mean, maybe it's one of those things where Robinson just holds himself in a high regard. Like we have no idea oh, what sure. he's looking for. But I, I mean, I think of him as. You probably watched him more closely at Penn State than I did in college, but I think of him as a top 15-ish receiver probably and just in pure talent in the league even today. And that's, so That seems um, about right. Yeah, 15-20. Yeah, so like not near the, you know, the line, even at 27 where you'd want to pay, you know, franchise-type money. But I think that, uh, I don't know, I, I – I'm not. I, I'm interested to see what he would get on the open market, especially with a draft last year that had so many good receivers, and another one coming this mm-hmm. year that are, that might be even better. And so, you know, I know the Packers were heavily involved, and he chose the Bears over them two years ago in the off season. And uh, you know, if that's the case, it, it'll be interesting to see what it's like when he goes, if he goes to free agency. But I, I like if I'm the Bears, I just don't know who else you're going to get. It's not like he's over the hill, or he would be over the hill at any point in this in like a subsequent deal. So I know Anthony Miller had a good game. I'm a, we're both Anthony Miller fans, yep. I think from out of college, but I don't think he's like a number one guy. And I, I do think Robinson probably is. I agree. I do. Uh, I do worry that this situation is getting bad. We don't often see the guys who remove all mention of a team end up staying with that team long-term. I'm yes. not, not saying it doesn't happen because money For does, sure. money does change opinions, but it doesn't tend to work out super well. It just so happens that uh, we have another guy who's trending in that direction in Philadelphia, mm. and I, I wouldn't hate exploring, and don't get me wrong, I know Jimmy Graham is clearly back. He had two touchdowns last week. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
But uh, I, oh I wouldn't mind exploring a uh, a Zach Ertz for Allen Robinson deal. Obviously, Ooh. some other pieces would need to be involved. That's spicy. I like that. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I think a few pieces would have hey, to be. But they... Alshon can go back to Chicago for all I care. Oh, I, I don't think he or the Bears would agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh... Yeah, that's interesting. I know, yeah, Ertz is, is a little bit sour about what's been happening. A lot sour. He got into an, I think, an argument with Howie Roseman this week about his contract. Ooh. I mean, that's like, you know, it, it, I don't want to say the writing has been on the wall, but it feels like, you know, they, they've, they obviously made Goddard a big priority multiple years ago, and he's been nothing but awesome for them. Yep. So, you know, I, I mean, I get having both those guys. Like, I, that's a really interesting idea. But just like when you go to the ledger, especially given the cash space that we've talked about ad nauseum on the show, like they're just there's they're going to have to be some tough decisions. And it feels like Ertz is the perfect example of one of those where I just I don't I think there's always going to be a gap in perceived value versus what he what he thinks his value is versus what the Eagles are willing to pay. Yeah, I would be I would be looking at something, and I know this is not a this is an NBA trade, not an NFL trade, but I would be looking at something like Ertz and a draft pick for for Allen Robinson and maybe somebody like Demetrius Harris just as tight end depth because I doubt they're going to keep six. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, yeah. Well, like the interesting thing is both those guys are expirings, right? So Ertz that, is like, not. Ertz, Ertz has one more year, which you know oh. the only reason I equate his value to being similar to that of a number one receiver because that number one receiver is going to leave yeah right um yeah probably i mean at that point you're almost thinking you can can tie him down but yeah i mean i i don't know how you watch that eagles and we'll talk about it later i'm sure but like i don't know how you watch that and not think like yeah we could use a different type of midfield threat and i mean Ertz is so good at that too it's not like Mm -hmm. they're just totally different types and you want to spread the the ball out sort of laterally as well as down the field you know like side to side and down the field and i think that that's that's something that robinson i mean he would immediately be by far Wentz's best receiver of all time so be interesting to see him there for sure no question and you know you for the year you pair him with 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 deshaun jackson with uh jalen rager with alshon jeffrey etc when he comes back in a couple of weeks and there's just a glut of receivers. They'll likely move on from Jackson and Alshon next year. And uh, it's Allen Robinson, Rager, and, uh, you know, Greg Ward or whoever in the slot. I can live with that. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Goddard at tight end. Goddard at tight end. So, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a very interesting, that's a very interesting mix. Um, but, yeah, I, I do you think, I, like, my immediate thought was honestly that Robinson was, it's kind of like a negotiating tactic in my mind to do that after week one, after a win. No less. That well, don't sure. get me wrong. That aspect of it does scare me because that's not a all I care about is winning type attitude. Exactly. So, but Allen Robinson's never really had the reputation of being that kind of guy. I don't know if this is just frustration boiling over, or that's what, what I think it is exactly. But yeah. like, but like I said, very very rarely do we see guys with the removing all mention of a team end up staying with that team. Uh, that's just that's the only reason I think he could be on the move and. You know, as interested as someone like Green Bay may be, I don't think they're going to trade them in the division. Totally. I mean, that was for sure one of my thoughts, too. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, the other thing is the Bears, you know, the Bears just won. Like, yeah. They just had this absurd comeback, and this is, like, now you're dealing with this. I think that it's, you know, it's 
it's definitely not ideal. And I'm, I'm surprised because, again, like Robinson has been such a good soldier in some pretty rough times there on that team. But um, to, to do this at this time, like it feels like either a negotiation or like something is very, very really wrong. Like that, that to me is like a tipping point situation. Yeah, I mean, it's also a contract year for him, too. So not just not getting his money right now, but also having to play with Trubisky and, and an offense is not exactly going to help him put up big-time numbers. I, I don't a great know. point. I don't know. Yeah. Well, uh, Mike Tannenbaum from ESPN, by the way, sign me up for this. Mike Tannenbaum from ESPN suggested that the Eagles trade Zach Ertz to the Dallas Cowboys for Zach Martin. Uh, yeah, sign me up. Done. <laughs> Done deal. I love you. Yeah. Love you. Uh, love you, Zach Ertz, but... If you're saying, hey, uh, I'm going to give you the second best guard in football and he's only 27, uh, yeah, I'll do that right now. Uh, yeah, especially given the state of the Eagles offensive line. But again, like you were saying, with the Packers and Robinson, like these in-division trades, unfortunately, are non-starters generally. Well, the only difference I would say here is that you're talking about an impact player going to both sides rather than you know, most likely draft right. pick compensation. This is a sure. an ironing out of issues. The problem is, I mean, you know, say what you will about PFF, but PFF had Dallas as the third worst offensive line in Week One, and wow. that yeah. showed up. And uh, I mean, Philadelphia's. They I didn't, looked bad. I didn't see the rankings, but I assume Philadelphia's bad. was the worst. They did look bad. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm fairly confident that's the case too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I know you know. They, both those lines that they went up against, I think, are, are very solid defensive lines, maybe two of the five or six best in football, but still, no excuse. I mean, if you've got a decent offensive line, you should be able to at least hold up and be average through a week. And um, for the Cowboys not to, it's just kind of surprising. Yeah, they look terrible, just absolutely terrible. And I don't even care about giving Dallas another weapon on offense because there's only so many balls to go around, you know? Yeah. It, that doesn't yeah, that doesn't really true. concern me. If I can weaken— Diminishing returns. Right. You have your fifth, the fifth best option. Yeah. Right, exactly right. Sure. If I can weaken their offensive line, which looks like a real problem for them right now while significantly strengthening Philadelphia's and not really weakening Philadelphia's passing game with, the, with Goddard able to step up, Man, yeah, I, you don't have to talk me into that one. I know that you, Philadelphia fans don't want. It, what? This is why I love being a Philadelphia fan, and also you know hate being a Philadelphia fan, is that all I'm hearing from my friends is why would you trade Zach Ertz to the Cowboys and make them even better? This is a no-brainer. It takes half a second to make this deal kind of trade. Yeah, I mean, I don't. From the Cowboys' perspective, I don't know why you're taking what's already kind of a weakness after week one and then making it worse. Yeah. But, like, I get also, you know, if you had planned on Blake Jarwin being a, a somewhat significant piece and now he's out for the season, then, you know, you can't deny that Zach Ertz is a, you know, top three to five tight end in the league and you'd want to add that to your to your team, even though, like you said, like there's some diminishing returns from a catching perspective. He would still be a, a solid blocker for them as well, so... I mean, it, it's the, a the awesome next time Zach Ertz is a solid blocker will be the first time Zach Ertz is a solid blocker. Oh, okay. All right. Well, but, there you go. You would know better than me. He tries. I give him all the credit in the world. Yeah. He tries. He, he, I forget who it was. He spent an offseason working with some Hall of Fame offensive lineman a couple of years ago. And it just, it just hasn't materialized. But I don't think it's due to the lack of effort. Uh, you hit on uh, the Blake Jarwin injury in Dallas. I want to take a look at the big injuries from week one, get your thoughts on how it affects these teams moving forward. Jarwin, not the only major injury for those Cowboys. 
He tears his ACL. He's out for the season. Leighton Vander Esch hurt again, six to eight weeks with a broken collarbone. Uh, by the way, I, I, thank God it was a broken collarbone and not something neck-related. It looked so bad. Yeah, yeah. it did. And uh, and Cameron Irving's going to miss some uh, miss some time after a sprained MCL. What does this mean for the Cowboys right now? I mean, it's not good, obviously, <laughs> but like. <laughs> It's worse for a new coaching staff that's like, you know, it's not unlike the Buccaneers to me in that, like, there are so many significant moving pieces here. Like, you saw kind of each individual part, how much they might mean to this team. But, like, when you combine all those issues with a new play, not a new play caller, but a new head coach, of course, and kind of a new scheme-ish situation, like, you know, you want to be able to fall back on, a, like, your best, basically your best playmaker on defense in Van Der Esch. And, you know, and Jalen Smith was just horrendous in yeah. coverage. I think he had one of his worst games ever by PFF standards. Third worst so, linebacker in the NFL last week per PFF. Oh, man, that's tough. 29.4 grade. I'm a big Jalen Smith fan. Me too. You know, always will be. But, like, that was, that's not, you know, if you were... You're losing your best player and you're having that kind of negative performance and stuff. And so, you know, you get those and then you have Blake Jarwin as a guy that they were just like totally sold uncommitted to, right? Yep. All offseason. Like, just gave him an guy. extension. Yep. Yep. And, you know, that's those are the kind of injuries that like subtly can really derail a season, especially again for a new coaching staff that's like hanging its hat on a couple really like solid high floor pieces. I think that that's. That's a tough one. Those are some tough pills to swallow, and there's it's going to be a real test of of McCarthy's coaching metal to try to like fill those gaps, especially on offense. Defensively, I mean, I know firsthand like McCarthy is very hands off when it comes to the defense, as many offensive minded coaches are. Um, and you know, maybe he's more defensive minded now that he's handing play calling off to Kellen Moore. But like, this is it's a it, that that injury that Elaine Vanderesh thing that's going to be a real problem and. Luckily for him, the division didn't exactly get away from them week one, but I, I think that that could be an issue for the next few weeks for sure. You mean you don't think the Washington football team has an insurmountable lead in the NFC East after one week? <laughs> hey, man, I'm just going to say that that team did not look bad. I know mm. that like your guys' offensive line was a wreck. It was down. a high school offensive line. Yeah, but that's a good defense. There's a lot of uh, good, sorry, a good front. Yeah, like, that's good. a really good, all, all first top, you know, they were all top 10 to 15 picks and or like had that kind of pedigree. And so I, I mean, I've kind of been waiting on that to happen. And you add Chase Young, that obviously is a game changer. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I'll defer to you on what you thought of them, but I think that that it wouldn't shock me if they're like randomly seven and nine with some wins in division against better teams. No, I, I can totally see that. What the parallel that I drew prior to this game, it kind of reminded me of last season when the Browns opened up against the Titans and mm. everyone thought, oh, the Titans are, you know, they, they stink. This is going to be an easy win for the immediate media darling Browns. And, you know, it's just not the way it was. Riverboat Ron's a good coach. He's got that team playing yes. good football. And you, you're absolutely right. You add a player like Chase Young and he's a difference maker, man. You saw from from moment one, he just moves differently than other people on that defensive line. Uh, four tackles, two solo, one and a half sacks, one and a half tackles for wow. a loss. Hit the quarterback four times. Uh, oh, no, that was that was Matt Ioannidis. But all both of the the, the four the four quarterback <laughs> I was hits. Say, that's about as good as 
Okay, that, that's as good of a, uh, a start as you could have for a debut. Look, Chase Young had exactly the same numbers. Uh, both both Young and Ioannidis, four four total, two solo, one and a half sacks, one ta- one and a half tackles for loss. Only Ioannidis hit the quarterback four times. Chase Young only got to Carson Wentz twice. Uh, Carson hit fifteen times, pressured twenty, sacked eight. Oh man. That's just not going to cut it. No, that's tough. That's, I mean, and, that's what you know, ruined was, David Carr's career. To be fair, that that like was a perfect storm of what could possibly happen. I mean, you don't even have your safety valve, your best safety valve, and in Miles Sanders, and mm-hmm. you know that was just. And you know, I, I'm a big Doug Peterson guy, but that was that was a poorly executed performance by him. Like he did not. I feel like he, from what I was watching. He, like he wasn't accounting for the fact that his line was just so bad. And I know that that's, it's hard to account for that, but you know, I expect more out of him, I think at times. And uh, you know, the way that that built on itself in the second half, it felt like a runaway train. Well, what was confusing to me is just how it was handled because when we were in the pre Jason Peters is, is going back to play left tackle days, Matt Pryor was the starter at left tackle. Now that's obviously not an ideal situation, but Pryor was also the guy who came in. He was the replacement for Brandon Brooks when Brooks got hurt last year, played well at right guard. Peter sw- swings back to left tackle, and all of a sudden, instead of Pryor, who has NFL starting experience, Peterson decides the right side of the line is going to be second-year undrafted free agent Nate Herbig and first-year fourth-round pick Jack Driscoll, two guys who had never started an NFL game. Yeah, that's—I mean, again— I defer to him almost every time on like making good calls. It felt like those were in retrospect. I mean, you can look, it's out there. It didn't look like the right calls to me. So, I mean, I, I fully expect them to bounce back off the mat, especially when Miles Sanders is back, but that's, it's a tough thing. And who knows what Sanders is going to look like, you know, yeah. like I, I, by the way, I was shocked that he missed that game. I did not know that's where he was trending. No, he's got the hammy wasn't good. And apparently if he plays this week, he's going to be on a pitch count, but Lane, came out and said he's playing this week. He doesn't care about anything else. He will be playing football this weekend. And that is, that's Lane Johnson. Uh, Matt Pryor is currently the starter at right guard on the unofficial depth chart. So we'll see if we can get some things right. It's crazy to me that they worked out Cordy Glenn. He was in town for like three days and they elected not to sign him given what they know about their offensive line. Maybe that says he must look. That's what I, that's what I think too. But also, he's also a bit of a head case, allegedly. It's so. true. It also might be worth pointing out that uh, the Jordan Maialata experiment may have to come to a close relatively soon. If they weren't, you know, they weren't comfortable enough to go to Maialata, a guy who's been on the team for what three years now, in and instead play a rookie right tackle. Who I did Jack Driscoll play guard for Auburn last year, or was he a tackle? Regardless. <sighs> A good class. I think he. I think he played tackle, but tested as a guard at times. Like, okay, yeah, yeah that makes he was sense. Very on the fence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's smaller guy, doesn't have the wingspan. Mylotta's been in the system for three very years. Very athletic, now. though. Very athletic, but I mean, you're <laughs> Jordan Mylotta. Uh, yeah. Also extraordinarily athletic. I will say Jordan got the opportunity to play after Driscoll got hurt, and uh, seemed to play reasonably well. So we'll see what that means moving forward. He's been. I never understood this in the first place. I, I I get the appeal of having this this hulking giant with like this hulking dancing bear kind of guy with extraordinary athleticism and strength at at tackle, 
But I always thought, why don't you just throw him at defensive tackle? Doesn't isn't that an easier transition for a rugby player? Just say, hey, hey, Jordan, go get the ball. You know, you're you're bigger, stronger, and more athletic than the guy in front of you. Go find the ball. Yeah, I I think that that's yeah the the traits are there. Obviously, easier said than done, I would imagine. But uh, that's an interesting idea. It never made sense to me. I I was you know always excited uh, excited for him about as a developmental guy, but yeah, I. I always thought defense made more sense, and I'm just worried this is going to be a another Alejandro Villanueva type situation where we discard of a guy who was a developmental player, and another team gets him and uses him correctly, and uh, and you know yeah. we're, we're watching a really good player in the NFL, but no, it is what it is. He played 26% of the snaps after the Driscoll injury last week, and uh, you know held his own. So hopefully that means something moving forward. But uh, yeah. Not great, not great. Uh, not a fun, not a fun week. We'll see if Miles Sanders plays this week. Eagles. I saw an absolutely crazy stat, and that was um, uh, how bad were the Eagles' injuries relative to the rest of the NFL? The Eagles lead the led the NFL with the most players on the IR and listed as out for Week One with thirteen. Seattle also had thirteen. San Francisco has eleven. But Seattle was missing zero starters of those 13, San Francisco two starters. The Eagles were missing eight. Uh, well, <laughs> if we're going to go down that road, i just going to say this. I, I think the Niners are like such a shell of what they will be down the line. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all about like, you know, we talked about this with COVID a little bit, but like if you lose multiple guys from the same position group yeah. as you guys did with the offensive line, I mean – that's such a dagger. And for the, for the Niners, like, you know, all credit to Kyle Shanahan, but you know, when you, when you lose George Kittle in the middle of that early in that mm-hmm. game and you already don't have Ayuk and you don't have Debo and you don't have, you know, multiple pieces. I mean, it was literally just Mostert and like Kendrick Bourne. And I legitimately <laughs> don't know. I think, I think oh, Tevin Coleman was out too because of the weird, the error issues that you guys are having out there. And so, yeah. you know, it was like Jarek McKinnon. And I, I mean, at some point, like there's just, you're just not going to be able to get it done. I think those two teams, if you're looking for like bounce back type teams or games, I, it feels like those two teams are particularly banged up in specific areas that totally, you know, made them a, a completely different team that, that rendered them not able to beat a, you know, not terrible team. Yeah, oh, I agree completely. I was watching that 49ers game uh, at the same time as I was watching the Chargers game. And I I, I want to say that I had the, the volume on the 49ers game and uh, not on the Chargers game. I thought when Drew Tranquil went down, it was Joey Bosa. And boy, did I feel, yeah, I did too. Did I oh feel for Chargers fans for, the, for a second there. I oh man, that was the exact thought I had. I was like, oh my god, Bosa's hurt, but they're so like that's the end of the season for the Chargers, you know? Yeah. And um, they look bad as yeah, it was. I mean, not that it was good, but yeah, I yeah, I'm I bet on the Bengals, and I have no regrets about that. That team deserved to win that game this Sunday, I think. Yeah, but the man that tranquil injury was one of the that's a that's a real gross sports injury, mm-hmm. and like the, the most troubling part for me just watching it was that leg did not move after he went down. When you see guys get hurt, like you, it's a lot of writhing in pain, a lot of like holding whatever is hurt. That that lower that lower foot that leg was completely immobile. So like I had yeah. 
watching it without sound and not knowing what happened, like I thought that was obviously really bad. It's a gruesomely broken ankle, but mm-hmm. I thought it was even worse than that. Oh yeah, yeah. No, no amputation no. or anything. Yeah, no. uh, yeah. It wasn't good. Uh, obviously, sucks for for him and for them. It's all. It's never good to lose players, but it did feel like. I don't know if you noticed this, either, but like I, I expected a lot more significant injuries. I was glad to not see so many week one. Well, you, you weren't you weren't an Eagles fan, so <laughs> that yeah, things that's fair. not so great there. With uh, with Driscoll gets hurt, and then Brandon Graham goes down, and Vinnie Curry's out for potentially the season. He's on injury reserve. Uh, Craig James is gonna, is out on IR, but probably only misses three weeks. It just, it seemed like injuries were happening happening constantly. And I also, so being the, the wonderful human being I am, I as I mentioned, we were watching two TVs and I was watching, we had the volume on the Browns game, which later on changed due to the outcome of that game. But I didn't understand why Deshaun Jackson wasn't playing. Like I'm every time yeah. he's, he's just on the sidelines the whole time. And I've still never really seen a good reason for why he was on the sidelines. They and must have him on a, a significant pitch count. I noticed that too. It was like, I was terrified he was hurt. And I, so I was trying checking Twitter and trying to figure out what was going on there. Uh, yeah, no, I was very <laughs> not happy at all with injuries week one. And uh, Pittsburgh also has to be pretty unhappy right now. Uh, James Connors gets hurt, but Benny Snell looks great. Zach Banner out for the season with a torn ACL. That's a guy you have to really feel for. Worked his butt off this oh. offseason. Lost a ton of weight. Yeah. Won that right tackle spot. And, man, heartbreaking. That's that's tough. Tough for them. I mean, they obviously win and look pretty good doing it. But that's, that's one where, like, Banner, you know, he's just one of those guys that, like, we all saw the, you know, everyone sees the potential with the size and everything, and for him to win the job there yeah. specifically is like, oh, my God, do, are we seeing, like, you know, when when a guy like that wins a job, it's like, oh, man, he, like, is this going to be a thing? Yeah, like, this is know? an emergence. Yeah, exactly. Like, you're seeing the star turn happening, um, and, yeah, that that's, that's a tough blow for them, for sure, for him especially. Well, you guys don't get out of it unscathed either. Lane Taylor mm-hmm. looks like out for the season uh, with a right knee injury. Kenny Clark gets hurt, but, you know, that doesn't seem to be as serious. I haven't seen the, the updated reports on Clark. Where does he stand? No, no updates. I, I'm very concerned about it. That, like, we talked about him a few weeks ago when he got that extension. I, I mean— this is already a pretty terrible run defense. If you take out that guy, um, it becomes extremely vulnerable, like mm. maybe worse than the league type run defense. So I think that, yeah, they, they need him. I don't think it's going to be more than like a few weeks, just judging by the fact that they haven't made a call on it yet. But, um, you know, groins are things that linger in terms of injuries, like yeah. that soft issue. It's what I worry about with, uh, you know, obviously with the hammy with Miles Sanders as well. So, uh, hopefully everyone's fine and, and, you know, it's just an abundance of caution, but I'm, I'm definitely concerned. Let's talk about the first injury of the day and maybe the most important injury from a fantasy perspective. Marlon Mack tears his Achilles. He's out for the season. Your guy, Wisconsin's own Jonathan Taylor, now the starting running back in, uh, in, in Indy, didn't look great uh, in, in, uh, coming in for Mack, but did catch the ball pretty well. Six for 67, only uh, nine carries for 22 yards, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that Frank Reich will also see him run the ball better because he's got Naima Hines there to catch the ball. But, yeah. um, you know, I mean, we all know what 
what Taylor can be, especially behind this offensive line. I mean, that's, it's, I don't, obviously Mac is good enough where they planned on him being the starter and getting at least, you know, a decent chunk of the carries. I think ultimately Taylor was going to always overtake him anyway, but you know, it's the future is now obviously for them in that way. And, um, you know, we talk about this all the time with drafting running backs in the first two rounds. Like it's not necessarily good value, but if you, if you can milk that guy for the, for that rookie deal, then you do it and then you cut your losses. And I think that they're in that perfect spot with Taylor. And I, I mean, I expect him to be an absolute monster for them the rest of the year. And like Hines will get his touches, but this is, this is going to be the Taylor show behind that offensive line. And I'm, I would be very nervous about that if I'm an NFC South or AFC South uh, opponent. Yeah, it's got to be difficult for teams to sort of get around the expendability of running backs because mm-hmm. you know this guy's part of the organization, you know, has I'm sure they they build deep relationships with all the other players and then you have to make a very difficult decision to not give them that big contract cuz that second contract yeah. so frequently kills these guys. I mean, or you do the Derrick Henry thing and you're like, all right, you're ours for a while now. We're going to give you 31 carries for 116 <laughs> yards. Yeah. I, I mean, if it's me, I'm, if I do have to go, like if the Packers were to sign Aaron Jones to that extension that has been rumored, I would be definitely pulling back the touches, certainly the carries. Um, and, you know, and just waiting to use that weapon down the line. I Like, 31 carries for Derrick Henry and mile high is not what I'd be looking to do. And he caught the ball three times. I, I will say, in Henry's defense, his last three or four carries brought that average up a little bit. He had his longest run of the day of mm-hmm. 13 in those, those last three or four. Because when mm-hmm. I checked it, he was at, like, 28 carries for 91 yards. It was, like, 3.1 a carry. and uh, yeah. One of those, you know, I made a bunch of predictions before last week, and one of them was that we're going to see Derrick Henry start to decline in terms of that yards per carry. I don't think that five was sustainable for last from last year. Uh, <laughs> the other one, what I was very wrong about, apparently, though, uh, LaVisca Chenault is the only reason Gardner Minshew did not have a perfect day in Jacksonville. Should have gone 20 for 20. Chenault drops a very catchable ball. And uh, Minshew, three touchdowns, no interceptions, a 142 Q, uh, quarterback rating, a 73 quarterback QBR. Min- is Minshew for real? Like, I, I, I can't believe I'm asking this question. I, I mean, I, like, you look at those guys that they have, they're not untalented, but they're not, Good. like, they're a <laughs> below average receiving group. There are no threats in the backfield. Um, like, I think it's an incredible testament to him. Honestly, I don't know if he's for real or not. Obviously it's, it's still a small sample, even including last year, but I think you got to give him and Jay Gruden like a lot of credit. And uh, like at at some point you get enough of a sample and you're like, yeah, this guy can like play as much as it just seems like a ruse, you know, like it's been, he's been very good. Like overall, like his numbers are good and he has had nothing around him. And maybe that's just like the way he likes it or whatever, but there's just something about him that he's, he's clicking in a way that a lot of like better prospects haven't in the past. So kudos to him. He's certainly, you know, like just this game alone almost gives you, you know, and, or I'm sorry, just his career so far to date means that he should probably at at worst be a backup in this league for like a long time. And I think that that's, that's wild to think about Gardner Minshew in in that vein. I, I agree completely. And he, 
he keeps playing like this. Like, you know, Jacksonville was like, all right, guys, you can, you guys can have another year of Gardner. We know you like the fans like him. Yeah. You can have another yeah. year. He's going to be, you know, he's going to be just bad enough to, to get us that the top three pick. Maybe even, you know, I think a lot of people assume the first pick and just sort of keeping that seat warm for Trevor Lawrence. But he, he plays like he's going to win this team games and this team is not talented. No. Well, I mean, beating a good, a well-coached, sound defense and, like, overall team like the Colts is, again, it's just such a feather in the cap. Like, the Colts went out there to, you know, to win that game, obviously. Like, this is a team I think is, like, certainly a favorite in that division, dark horse Super Bowl team, you know? And, like, to do that to them is, in my opinion, it's just amazing. And, like, all credit to those guys for sure because – you know, the front office probably wants Trevor Lawrence, like you said, and, mm-hmm. and to do that is it's just really like the, the whole like the tides against you and you're just and they were losing like to do that mm-hmm. is, is amazing. I like it's truly impressive. Well, it just goes to show what fans should remember. Teams might tank. Front offices might build teams that aren't going to be or supposed to be competitive. Players never tank. These guys are it's fighting for their their careers. They're fighting for money. These guys are not out there tanking, thinking, oh, I can't wait until Trevor Lawrence is a Jaguar next year. Exactly. Exactly. Well, like, and especially the way that contracts are structured, you know, like nothing's guaranteed essentially. Right. And so, like, yeah, they they have to play for themselves alone and obviously their team. And, you know, now you've got to win. Now you're one and oh. You know, you've got this guy that's had a lot of success in the NFL, at least on, a, mm-hmm. on like a very personal statistical level. And doesn't know, like, he doesn't know any better, you know? <laughs> Minshew is a thing in his mind. Like, I think that he realizes he's kind of like, I don't know if it's a parody or whatever. He gets but, you the know, joke, like, yeah. He gets the joke. He's like, he's trying to win people Bud Lights for being the fantasy MVP or whatever. But he's also, like, not a bad player. And so mm-hmm. I think that it's it puts, it makes a team like that very dangerous when they have nothing to lose in this way. And it's not too much unlike... You know, a few years ago, the Jaguars had already built up like a ton of talent defensively. So it's it's different in that way where they had like Ramsey and Campbell mm. and all those guys defensively. But now, you know, they've, they've still got some lingering talent from that team. And, you know, and now they're just like a reckless group that right. I don't know. I Look, they could go one in 15, obviously, but they but it's it's not a team I would be like super pumped to play because they're they're out there just chucking it around and hoping to to have fun and make themselves some money. So that can be a dangerous proposition. Yeah, they are. Uh, oh, God, who was who was that that team from Florida Gulf Coast in the playoffs? Yeah, exactly. Dunk City. Yeah. Or Lob City. Yeah. This, they just yeah. don't know any better. They're out there. They're, they're having fun playing football. And whatever happens, happens. Well, Jaguars fans have the number 23 pick in the first round to look forward to right now on Tankathon. Mm. That gets them safety, Javon Holland. They also have 31 from the... Uh, from the Rams, your Packers sitting at 19. You get Pat Fryermuth to the uh, to the offense. I don't hate, <laughs> don't hate that for you guys. And the number right. the number one pick. Have you seen this? Do you know who the number one pick goes to after Week One? At Tankathon. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I mean, half the teams are on one. So well, who, stre- who, who strength of schedule, sir. The number oh, one okay. the number one pick and Trevor Lawrence currently go to the Dallas Cowboys. Oh. My. <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous. Come on, the Rams are good. 
Yeah, I, I'm, that's funny. I'm just. I mean, this this factors in the the schedule of everyone that they're going to play all year. Let's not forget that. Got but, it. Got uh, it. Got it. The uh, the Browns two, Justin Fields. That would be something. That would be something. Yes. The Bra- the Browns two is Justin Fields. The Falcons three is mm. Micah Parsons. Trey Lance uh, gets to learn behind Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. Don't hate oh, that. Like and, that a lot. And Philadelphia gets Gregory Rousseau at eight. I absolutely hate that. So no, <laughs> no thank you. Not a Greg Rousseau fan, Oof. but we have plenty of time to talk about that later on. All right, Andrew, we're going to take a quick break and uh, we'll be right back. Hey guys, I'm so excited to say this. The wait is finally over. Football is back. And while you might not be at the game this year, you can still be in on all of the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And right now, you can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on win, division, or championship futures right now. Head over to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Look, things didn't go exactly like I wanted for my Eagles last week as they didn't quite show up against the football team. But I'm sure we're going to right the ship this week against the LA Rams. A lot of games I'm looking forward to. Who isn't excited to see Cam Newton and the Patriots against Russell Wilson and the Seahawks on Sunday night? To get in on all that action and so much more, visit our good friends and the exclusive partner of Podcast One, Bet Online, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure you use that promo code PODCAST1, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-O-N-E, for your sign-up bonus. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. On the line with me right now is Bet Online's Dave Mason. Dave, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So tell us what is new at Bet Online. Well, I mean, sports are back. You know, we, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it came back with a vengeance too. You know, it, yeah. it, it's great to see it back. And you know, for a few months there, we're we're just you know promoting uh, ping pong betting and <laughs> all this other crazy stuff and uh, coming up with all sorts of crazy. Ways to bet to keep uh, the betters occupied, and then uh, August, you know, sports start coming back. So um, it, it's crazy, you know. We got a, like a what a three week here sports equinox here, and uh, mm-hmm. of course NFL made its appearance this weekend, and numbers are great. You know, it's 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 amazing just how people pile back for the NFL. You know, college football, then the NFL, and uh, you mix in the NBA playoffs and. Stanley Cup and, 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 you know, U.S. Opens this week. I mean, it's just everything. You know, it's, it's nuts, but it's keeping us busy, you know? Yeah. It's crazy to think that months ago we were in a place where we were talking about Belarus and soccer and Korean baseball. And now, you know, you guys have to be just incredibly busy. It's got to be incredibly hectic because last week we saw the first day ever that the NFL, MLB, NBA, WNBA, MLS, and NHL all played on the same day. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy. You know, <laughs> it's it, we went from you know we were busy even during the slow time just because we were scrambling to you know think of ways to you know some books just kind of sat on their hands and waited it out, but we we were mm-hmm. like, no, let's let's create markets and. So we were busy the whole time, but um, but yeah, but now it, it's just insane, you know, it, and all the action that's coming in. So 
you know, it's it's good, but nothing's like NFL. I mean, you know, it, right. it, yesterday our, our our number just shot up. You know, so many people coming back to the site. So nothing's like NFL. As a sports book, how do you guys prepare for a year in sports that's entirely uncharted territory in regards to you know bubbles and the coronavirus and no fans and even the question of whether or not particular sports will be playing at all? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's been it's been a challenge, you know, just. With all the different, you know, they're, they're just stuff that you're used to, you know, you're you're on cruise control kind of all year. You know, the events coming up when they're going to be, how many games, mm-hmm. the rules, the rules are so black and white on your on your site, and then something like this happens, and oh, oh my God, what are we going to do with the NBA divisions? What are we going to do with the NHL divisions? Uh, season win totals, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So. You know, it's been it's it's been kind of hectic. I'm not gonna lie, and and you know we've been generous with how we graded stuff. Um, you know, like NBA divisions, for instance. You know, we mm. we we grade and the NHL of NHL didn't even name divisional winners, but we thought it we graded the uh, leaders of the NHL divisions at that particular time. We graded them winners and no action to everybody else, and mm. we did the same with NBA. So it's just kind of a you know, and then NCAA football, you know, well, what do you do with the odds to win it all? You know, we've been booking yeah. that action since last last winter and you have all these teams, you know, <laughs> you have these big 10 teams. So, you know, you got to no action this and, you know, it's it's been crazy. But, uh, you know, we're trying to be as fair as possible and, uh, and, and, and learning a lot too, you know, learning just different ways. You got to yeah, word, word the... the type out the uh, wording and the rules for now on, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, (laughs) what can you do? Yeah. It's a learning experience. Some, you know, some things you just can't quite anticipate, I guess, Uh, as someone who, you know, you guys have your finger on the pulse of sports as much as anybody. What do you expect happens with the big 10? Because there's a vote about whether or not they'll play or not. Do you think they're going to end up playing football? Eventually. Yeah. (laughs) When, I don't know. I mean, you know, your, your guess is good as mine. It's, it's, we we haven't even really been you know we we really haven't been monitored too close to tell you the truth. It's mm. like you know we we have all these other leagues and everything to keep us busy and sure <laughs> from a business from a business standpoint if they play in the spring that's great you know spring football oh my god spring mm-hmm. big time college spring football that would be outstanding for us just to keep the football action going post Super Bowl with some, with some good teams and big big name teams we won't be angry about that at all. I would think that in itself presents some unique challenges, though, especially if those teams are still, you know, eligible for a national championship or if they figure out there's going to be some sort of playoff system. Because we know if there is spring football, we have the chance of running into the draft. And if we run into the draft, all of a sudden, a lot of those best players from those best teams are no longer going to be there anymore. Yeah, no, I mean, a lot of the (laughs) the players are dropping out for the teams they're playing this fall, too. So, I Mm. mean... We we just gotta realize that this is just this is gonna this is how it's gonna be for the rest of yeah. the year. It's gonna be a mess, and we're gonna try to make the best of it. You know, it, will the best if Ohio State's playing next next spring, the Big Ten, will some of the best players be on the sideline? Not not even playing? Yeah, sure, but it, it's better mm-hmm. than nothing. So um, that's true. Not, nothing nothing's ideal. This this twenty twenty is just <laughs> a big mess, and it's gonna go into uh, good chance it goes in the first part of 2021 and it's just about yeah. you know keeping keep, get, doing as 
good as possible and as many games as possible. And, 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 and the way I see it, you know, these college teams are stacked, too. So even if some of the studs are sitting out, there's another stud right behind them. You know what I mean? It's like, look, yeah. look at last year, Joe Burrow, the guy was an afterthought, left Ohio State, you know, transfers, and, and he has probably the best freaking year quarterback ever had. You know what I mean? I mean, who's mm-hmm. all that? There's all these big time programs have one stud waiting, waiting after the other studs. It's just, just they're just changing of the guard. So if some of these oh, yeah. guys, if some of these guys sit out. There's going to be uh, some guy that we don't even know. You know, some of the, sure some of the recruiting <laughs> uh, uh, experts know their names, but guys like you know me, it's like who's this guy? Oh, okay. Yeah, and all of a sudden he's the new quarterback <laughs> of this team, and he's a damn stud. So right, so, yeah. We saw that two years in a row, actually, you know, with uh, Oklahoma the year before. If if we don't have Oklahoma playing football, Kyler Murray is probably toiling in the Oakland A's organization right now. Absolutely. I mean, these these programs are just absolutely loaded with, with talent. So if the big names sit out, there'll be a guy right behind them ready to take that opportunity. Talking about adjusting on the fly, I'm fascinated by this. With the no fans thing, historically playing at home has been worth three points to the home team. Does that number need to be reevaluated at all as we eliminate crowd noise and the distraction factor? Yeah, it's something we're still kind of toying over. We, I don't have an exact answer for it. You know, we're, we're keeping an eye on it. I mean, we're estimating. And, and, you know, not every three is the approximate number, but some stadiums are more, some crowds are more, et cetera depending on the sport and the crowd. Um, but let's say three is the, you know, the, the base number that, you know, we all say. Um, but we're, we're thinking it's going to have another half point, half point to one point, sometimes one and a half points uh, difference. So, hmm. you know, it, it's, it's, it's there. It's, you know, so we're keeping an eye on, but we don't even have really an exact number yet. You know, this, this sample size is small. We're, we're learning on the fly, but we're collecting data and, go from there. So as you and I record, week one is still technically underway with Monday night games uh, to go, but we saw some really interesting outcomes on Sunday. The Cardinals beat the 49ers, the Jaguars beat the Colts, the Saints beat Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. How much on the fly changing has to happen with the lines after week one when you look at like the season long props and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's one week, you know, it's you do adjust, um, you don't over adjust, uh, you know, uh, for instance, you know the Super Bowl futures. Uh, the Bucks were so we had such a huge liability on the Buccaneers. You know, once they signed Tom Brady, then Gronk, then mm-hmm. everybody else, and you know, money just kept pouring in on the Buccaneers all off season. I mean, our our red figure on them is massive. So that you know, we had them pretty low at twelve to one um, because of that huge red number, and they moved to sixteen to one with their disappointing effort on Sunday. So mm. um you, you know, they you're you're always moving on the fly. You're, you're moving them after every week. Um some some teams yes, some teams no. Um but you know, it's one week. You gotta you gotta be realistic too. It's one week, you know. Right. So let's see what happens next week. So react but don't overreact and exactly. remember that you know historically Brady has been a guy who has struggled a little bit at the start of the last couple of seasons. Exactly. I mean, you know, there, our guys are aware of that, and uh, you know, twelve to one to sixteen to one move is good. Um, you know, he he is forty three, and <laughs> yeah. you know, he has three games of the pick six in a row, so that's going to be a prop yeah. this weekend. We'll have another throw, another pick six uh, to tie Matt Schwab's record. Um, so, 
So, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, that's the game, man. And it's early in the season, too. So, you know, you just take, you take so much action that all, all year round um, or all season long that it's just, you know, like you said, react but don't overreact. And uh, maybe overreact a little bit on the team if you have a big red number on and uh, mm. and go from there. Yeah, you hit on something really interesting right there. Brady becomes the first quarterback to have three straight games with a pick six since Matt Schaub and Blaine Gabbert in 2013. So that's some inauspicious company for the future Hall of Famer. Yeah, absolutely. And Blaine's is back up there, right? So that's <laughs> yes, kind of interesting. Is. So they got a couple of record holders there on the pick six. Yeah, I think one of them they're happy to have and the other one not so much. Right. But, uh, that team's going to be interesting to watch moving forward. You know, Gronk, two catches in his return. Mike Evans, only one catch. Leonard Fournette gets signed, five yards on five carries. But it's got to be, you know, the job you guys do has to be difficult on a good day. But with no preseason, this has to be more just throwing darts at a dartboard than usual, right? Um. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you no preseason plus home field advantage you know we talked about a little mm-hmm. while ago the home field advantage and and uh our guys are good you know it's it's you know the players and, and you know the players are at the same disadvantage too you know they they didn't get to see a preseason they didn't get the you know they, they're trying to figure out what home field advantage is too so it's, we're all in the same playing field field you know what mm-hmm. i mean so you know you put you put the odds up and uh you have juice on it and see where the sharps bet and move accordingly and then try to balance the book without, you know, it, it, that's part of the game. And the results were good for week one. The action was awesome. We won a couple bucks, so no complaints here. That's all you can ask for. Let's talk NBA championship real quick before we get out of here. The Lakers, the heavy favorite at plus 125 at Bet Online. The Celtics, the favorite to come out of the East at plus 325 on the championship. We've still got a game seven to play in the West tomorrow. And for an evenly played series, why is there the giant discrepancy in championship odds between, you know, the Clippers at plus 275 and the Nuggets at plus 1600? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, it's just the Clippers are have been power ranked a better team all year, you know. Um but we are taking some action on on the Nuggets. I'll tell you that much. Mm. People like those long shots, and in, in the uh, when when we get down to this far, you know, the, the hot team. People like betting that hot team, especially at long odds. So, I mean, we're, we're looking good on the NBA championship. The only team that we uh, we have a loser on right now is Lakers. Um, everybody else is a winner. Um, Clippers is a small winner. Uh, Celtics a decent winner, but Heat and Nuggets, even though the action been coming in on the Nuggets, we're, we're still looking good there. So, so yeah, I mean, it, it's it's just you know the Clippers have been the higher ranked team in our power rankings all year, and uh, you know it, they had the best, way better shot to win it as long as they win mm-hmm. that game seven. But we'll see. I mean, good lord, the the Nuggets team isn't going away quietly. No, they have been they've been incredible, especially Jamal Murray in the bubble. And it's just it's fascinating because when you get down to five teams at this point and one of those teams offers a plus sixteen hundred, that that has to be really appealing for betters. No, absolutely. They 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 like that and you know, it's a great point. I can't blame them, you know, they're especially when they were down to five teams and this team is one one away from making the uh Western Conference Finals, absolutely. Yes, sir. All right. Well, Dave, that's that's all I've got for you. My guest has been Bet Online's Dave Mason. You can follow him on Twitter at Dave Mason B O L. Dave, thanks for coming and talking. Thanks for having me. All right, that's going to be it for this episode of The Underdog. For my co-host Anshu Khanna, I'm Chris Hordell, and my guest Dave Mason. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.